once again, anytime you have this type of horror movie, especially with demonic possession, any type of evil, anything that happens on the set is just going to be crazy weird. And to have nine people die, not necessarily from the filming, but because they were involved in the movie and they're right. nine. That's a lot. That's like the whole cast. <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> like That's crazy. Yes. You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we review your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries available on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Medstaff with your host, Jamie Zarlingo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. It is our last spooky episode of streaming since this is the last Saturday in October I decided to save a true horror classic for last Uh, when I reached out to everybody what their favorite horror movie was or one that really stuck with them I guess um, Karen Andreessen who is my guest today said The Exorcist was one that she saw when she was little terrified her and still does to this day so uh, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. Um, this is the worst movie ever made. <laughs> uh, it is. It was the scariest thing I've ever seen, and to this day, still the scariest movie I've ever seen. So I've never seen it the whole way through until just recently. So I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, like with all of our podcasts, we're going to go over the plot, and then there is a lot to unpack in this movie. There is a lot that went wrong with making this film, and just the aftermath of it, um, and then some, you know, the the curse, the Exorcist curse. We're going to talk about all of that today. So uh, sit back and relax, um, and let's get going. Okay, so just a little bit of basic information about this film. It was made in 1973, or was released in 1973, based on the 1971 novel by William Peter Blatty. And I believe he was behind the film as well. He was. Um, it is available on iTunes and Amazon Prime, Cinemax, YouTube, etc. all of those different platforms for, uh, for rental, um, or I'm sure it's probably on a VHS somewhere. <laughs> Or if DVD. You, or if, if you still have a VHS. <laughs> right. Um, I actually have a ton of VHSs still. Um, every time I've moved, I have this like, it's like old Navy bag filled with these like old movies. I have the Santa Claus and like some Disney movies that I just can't watch, but I can't bring myself to get rid of just yeah, for nostalgia. The Disney movies know? were hard to get rid of, but you know, because uh, we, we had all of them on VHS and then eventually DVD. Right. And then we just eventually passed them down to like nieces and nephews so they could have them. So, and aren't the Disney DV or VHS is like collector items now? I guess people love their Disney. Yes, I mean, they do. Pretty much anything that has Disney on it is like a collector's item. But yes. we're not we're not in the happy this is, Disney this is <laughs> subject not a Disney today. Movie. No, 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 not even close. Okay, so let's get to the plot here. So it starts off in Iraq. Um, and, uh, Father Marin, who is a veteran Catholic priest, 
and who apparently has already performed an exorcism years back, is on an archaeological dig in the ancient city of Hatra in Iraq. And that's where he finds an amulet that resembles a statue of Pazuzu, a demon of ancient origins whose history Marin is familiar. That's really all we get from that. There's a little bit more information later on, um, but that's really all we get in the beginning. Not a whole lot of backstory. We just see him pick up this little figure that looks just like a, a god of some sort or demon in this case and then we um we go to georgetown um where um, actress chris mcneil is living on location with her 12 year old daughter reagan starring in a film about student activism directed by her friend burke dennings and uh there's a scene of her doing like a like a rally which i actually thought was legit i didn't realize she was an actress at first i'm like what's going on is there like a subplot of like local activism but no she's just an actress and um reagan starts playing with an ouija board which if you listen to our spooky podcast um the episode that came out on thursday brian and i talk about ouija boards and how you should never mess with them and uh this is a case in point here um she's messing with an ouija board and contacting um a friend she calls captain howdy and um, after that, she starts acting really weird. She starts making these really weird noises, stealing, constantly using obscene language and exhibiting abnormal strength. Um, and then this scene is pretty, pretty iconic, I'd say. So Chris is having a party and they're playing music. It's late at night and they're all uh, gathered around the, uh, the piano and Reagan comes downstairs just with this like dead look on her face. And there's an astronaut there and she's like, you're going to die like up in space and then she starts um urinating on the floor and so Chris is just kind of brushing it off as oh she's sick I'm so sorry she takes her upstairs and that's when uh things start to get really weird and uh later Reagan's bed begins to shake violently um further adding to Chris's horror and she consults a number of physicians so Reagan's going to all these different like radiologists um psychiatrists trying to figure out what is wrong with her and all of her scans come back completely negative they can't find anything no brain abnormalities nothing wrong with her so they're kind of dumbfounded they don't really know what's going on with her um and there's actually a scene where they inject a needle and I think it's her neck yeah, they're doing what is an arteriogram. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100% if that's sure if that's what it was, but they typically don't, I guess, do that into a neck. They usually go through like the femoral artery. But they, this scene is so disturbing mm-hmm. because they're putting a needle into this little girl's neck, and she's scared and terrified, and it hurts, mm-hmm. and there's blood spurting everywhere. <laughs> And I guess most people are most disturbed by that scene than almost any other scene. Yeah. And they said that I've heard it's like they call it the most needless scene in the whole movie. Um, Some people thought that it was real, that um, the blood was real. Um, The neurosurgeon was real. He was an actual neurosurgeon. But but yeah, that scene's pretty gross um, considering all of the gross scenes in this movie. So anyway, getting all these tests, can't figure out what's wrong. Um, And then one night when Chris is out, Burke is babysitting her when she's been heavily sedated. And Chris returns to find out that Burke died falling out the window. And it's assumed to be an accident at first. Um, I guess Burke was a heavy drinker. And there's also a little bit more information about him that's in the book, but not in the movie. Um, We'll talk about that more later. We don't really know a lot about this guy from the film, but in the book, I guess there's more 
Um, but then the, his death is being investigated by Lieutenant William Kinderman, and Kinderman interviews Chris. He also consults psychiatrist Father Damien Karras, who um, was recently uh, shaken by the death of his mother. And he, um, he becomes um, kind of a big character later on. And so there's a scene where uh, the lieutenant and uh, Father Karras are talking, and he's like, okay, so, uh, well, first also um, there's a, uh, is it the Statue of Mary? In, in the church is desecrated. Yes, pretty violently, and then this death happens. And so the lieutenant is talking to Father Karras like, we think that these are related, and we don't know how, um, but we think there's either a crazy person out there or something more. I guess, spiritual going on. Um, and then, okay, the doctor's thinking, this scene's actually kind of funny, and I want to talk about this a little bit more later, but um, Chris and Reagan, they're they're not religious people at all. And I, I don't know if you noticed, Karen, but Chris says Jesus Christ so much throughout this movie, and I feel like there's a point to that, like the fact that they're not religious. She uses the Lord's name in vain a lot. I think that there's a point behind that. I think there might be. And I, it, it's more, I think, her point of being, you know, because she swears a lot also. And yeah. it's, I feel like sometimes they're her... a lot for a 70s movie. Can I say that? Like, she yeah. swears a lot. But I think they were trying to make her this empowered woman. And by yeah. making her swear, she was stronger. Although it just came across, you know, as good old-fashioned potty mouth. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the the whole the 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 use of Jesus Christ kind of just shows that there is no connection to her to religion because most yeah. religious people would not say that name in vain, right? And I heard I, I found myself like pointing it out when she she said it so much, and I'm like, hmm, there's just no God in this film at all. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting, but it was probably on purpose. Um, so the doctors, they kind of seem like they don't really believe in it. They're like, Hey, you could try an exorcism, but you have to believe in it. Basically they're saying, are you, they asked her if she's a religious person and she says, no, they say, well, supposedly those who become possessed by a spirit, whatever, have to believe in it. And therefore you have to believe in it to be exercised. And I think those doctors were also saying it was more of a psychology, like she believed she was possessed, Reagan was, and so that's why an exorcism would work. It's because in her head, she believed that she was being possessed by a devil or a demon. Mm -hmm. So bringing an exorcism or an exorcist in to cast out the demon would help cure her. So mm -hmm. they kind of looked at it from a psychology standpoint, but my question was, would doctors really ever suggest suggest like an exorcism i don't think in like modern day no but maybe then i don't possibly I, I i don't really know the history on exorcism i mean i know it's a real thing that has obviously been done and this film is actually based on the true story of a boy named um Ro they don't give his actual name roland doe is who they call him right. but in like the exorc exorcism of emily rose is based on a true story so this is this happens or has happened. I, I wouldn't say it happens really anymore. Maybe. It's very, I would say it's extremely uncommon. It was, it's very uncommon to do ever anyway. And growing up Catholic, you hear about it, mm -hmm. but it was not 
it like Father Karras in the movie points out, it's not something you go into lightly. You have to get, you know, church approval for mm-hmm. and so many signs and symptoms have to appear before they would even consider it because there's so much danger to the child and yeah. the people performing the exorcism. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So, um, yeah, so they suggest that she tries this. She arra- Chris arranges a meeting with uh, Father Karras and um, at first he doesn't really believe her. He thinks again, and he also has a background in psychology and he kind of just went into, um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Into the Jesuit life after the fact. So he has a lot of medical background. And so he also is like, I don't I don't really believe this. I don't really think she's possessed. And Chris is like, I have already spoken to all these people. I don't know where to turn. Please just help me. I feel like you're our only hope. And this is after um, some pretty violent occurrences um, where uh, Chris gets thrown into a wall that we've already seen Reagan's head turn around the uh, crucifix scene, um, which is pretty, pretty gross. Um, Just a lot of a lot of pretty disturbing scenes that would lead anyone to believe that something was not right with this girl. So after Reagan starts speaking backward in different voices, she is, and then there's a scene where they lift up her nightgown and she has the scars on her stomach saying, help me. That's when uh, Father Karras is convinced and he's like, let's do it. Let's, uh, let's get this demon out of her. He believes her soul is in danger. And um, I forget how um, Father Marin gets involved. He is the one who actually performs the exorcism. I don't know if it's, Karis who reaches out to him? He is actually brought in by Karis's bosses, I would guess, like the bishops of okay. the, the church that he is working at, um, because he actually requested to do the exorcism himself, and they wanted to bring somebody in that had some prior experience, mm-hmm. and Father Marin was that person. So that's how Marin gets involved, which is just coincidental, lucky enough, that he is probably the one who released the demon to begin with. Oh, Yeah. Uh, so, um, so he comes in and this is, um, some of the biggest scenes in the film. I'd say that when people think of the exorcist, they think of these scenes. So both priests, um, yeah, they witness her perform a series of bizarre, vulgar acts. And this is when they attempt to exorcise the demon. Um, but the entity toys with them, especially Karis before they even decided to do this, um, the, the demon, knew about Karis's mother dying and he asked Chris like did you does Reagan know because he still thinks that you know it's just Reagan there's no demon there and so he asks her you knew that my mother passed did Reagan know that how would she know that um and so and so the demon is kind of toying with him saying it's your fault she died you left her there to die and messing with his psyche which you Father Marin says, you know, you have to ignore what he's saying. They're going to mess with you psychologically. It's a psychological attack. They're not going to visit, will, will physically attack you, but it's more of a psychological attempt. And eventually he tells him to get out of the room because um, he's showing weakness. And so Marin decides to attempt the exorcism alone. Um, Karis enters the room later and discovers that Marin had died of a heart attack. And after failing to revive him, the enraged Karis confronts uh, the mocking, laughing spirit. He wrestles Reagan to the ground and he keeps shang- shouting, uh, take me, take me. So the demon enters 
Karis, and um, in a moment of self-sacrifice, he jumps out the window and kills himself, thus uh, exuding the demon, I guess. I, I don't know where the demon goes. There's some sequels after this movie, but we won't talk about those. So uh, Reagan is saved, and both of the priests are gone, and um, Reagan doesn't remember any of this. And it's actually really weird to look at her after you've seen all this stuff happen to her and just it's the same person. It's it's just kind of weird. Um, they decide to, um, yeah, Father Dyer, an old friend of Karis, happens upon the scene. He administers the last rites. It's kind of a nice scene. And a few days later, Reagan and her mother are leaving for Los Angeles. And although Reagan has no apparent recollection of her possession, she is moved by the sight of Dyer's clerical collar and kisses him on the cheek. Kinderman, who narrowly misses their departure, befriends Father Dyer as he investigates Karis's death. And that is the end of The Exorcist. That was the cleanest, <laughs> non-scariest version oh, yeah. I've heard. If you haven't, I should have said in the beginning, spoilers, obviously. But I mean, even if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sure you know what happens. But, um, But yeah, there's a lot of very i mean just the makeup in this movie how they made her look the vomit scene the crucifixion the crucifix scene again is is really gross um it's just a really gross movie <laughs> like a lot of makeup and special effects that i mean you could it's very dated it it looks like it was made in the 70s but it's still very very disturbing i thought the movie for being 1973 has stood the test of time like it's it's dated we all get it yeah. you know it's not you know the silly putty or slime that's coming out of you know the feeding tube or whatever that's hooked to her cheek is mm-hmm. not very realistic but I it's it it's just I think it was groundbreaking in some of those effects oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I know one of the original scenes uh, that was or one of the scenes that was cut is the spider walk where she spider yep. walks down the steps they thought that was too much for moviegoers, so that it was cut from the original movie and not added back in until later. Um, which, by the it's you know that's the original grudge walk for me. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, that's, that's not in the the version that I saw. It's not in that, but I knew that scene. I knew I had seen it, but I knew it was an extended version. Yeah. So luckily, when we rented it um, after, I believe I saw the movie when I was six or seven years old when my brother made me watch it. Oh gosh. With my sister. Who are you? <laughs> it was terrifying. I have not seen that movie since I can't I, I can't even look at like a trailer for it. So Oof. this weekend when we finally rented it, of course, my husband rented the director's cut, so it had all these extra scenes in it, which I would have been happy to not see. <laughs> so Yeah, my sister saw it the original when she was five and there's a reason why kids should not. And that's actually something I want to talk about when we get to the second half. Um, that a lot of unaccompanied minors went and saw this movie. Oh, yeah. There's no reason a child should see this movie at all. Even today, like, I would say I'm probably a little bit more desensitized because of the amount of horror films out now and all of the graphics in them now makes this movie seem a little tame. Yes, but like you said, for the time, it was very groundbreaking. There was nothing like this out there. And so that's why it, it had such an effect. But we'll talk about all of that in a little bit. First, let's talk about what else we are watching.
Now, let's take a quick break for our segment, Side Streaming, where we catch up on some of the other content we're watching on Netflix, Hulu, Prime, and more. Okay, Karen, what else are you watching right now? Oh, what am I watching? Um, I just finished The Bodyguard on Netflix, which is the British series. Oh my God, I was thinking of the Whitney Houston, Kevin Costner film. Like oh we're that's out on Netflix. Yeah, so it's a it's a it has a. I don't even know the actor's name, but he was in Game of Thrones. He was uh, okay. Rob Snow, no Rob Stark in oh. Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I, I would I don't know. Oh wow, okay. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I, I can't talk to you anymore. <laughs> uh, it's on my list of things. Uh, Carnival Row on Amazon. That is okay. So I've. St- started watching that Aaron in compliance wanted to review that with me it's it's really good it's very interesting I think there's you know once again I think they there's some plot holes in it but for what it's doing in the time frame so it's almost like it's a mixture of fairy tale and steampunk yeah and it's the cast is great it's a lot of fun to watch I'm super excited for the next uh season to come out which probably won't be for another year yeah, so that's a bummer about binge watching anything is you watch the new season and you're like, oh, well, now what? Yeah, oh, I got to wait. I binge watch so much stuff that I forget that I've watched it. Me too. You know, I was thinking about that. Did you watch Dead to Me? Oh, yes. That show. Oh, so great. I forget that I watched it all Chris- the time. Christina Applegate is always been one of my favorites. Oh, she's wonderful. She is fantastic. So and uh uh, Linda Cardellini, mm-hmm. just what a great pair. Fantastic. You wouldn't, you, I wouldn't think that I would put them together, but they did so well together. They're so, so good. And I'm, so I'm good. very excited for season two. Um, I'm ready for season three of Atypical to come out. Okay. I've heard good things about that show. That if you haven't seen it, it's it's kind of a feel-good movie or show. Is this on Netflix? The, Netflix. Okay. Um, and... I know I, I recommend it to everybody, but it's definitely uh, kind of a niche group. But uh, Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, I'm so sad that got canceled. I am I'm too. So bummed. I am too. The show was so great. I I thought the writing was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I thought so funny. Uh, Drew Barrymore, I've always liked. Loved but her. Timothy Oliphant's timing comedically mm-hmm. was so fantastic, and the kids were so good. Mm-hmm. Just so good. I'm so disappointed. There are some shows on there that I'm like, why is this getting continued? And then good shows, right, like Santa Clarita Diet, are being right. canceled. Um, I was a big fan of the OA that just got canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think. I, I don't know. What else is out there? Well, I just started watching, and I'm almost finished with Living With Yourself, also on Netflix. Also just finished watching that. Amazing. I love Paul Rudd. Me too. Huge, huge Paul Rudd fan. Not a super comedy. It is very, very dark. It I thought. is. And it is. it makes you kind of look at yourself differently. It does. It does. For If you guys are unfamiliar with the premise of this show, um, very interesting plot line. It's uh, a guy who, he's so pathetic in the beginning. He's <laughs> he obviously is. very unhappy with his life, his job. He and his wife are trying to have a baby. And he keeps putting off um, going to a fertility uh, appointment. And um, 
this guy that he works with is like, man, you got to go to the spa here. You know, I'll, I get a discount if I refer somebody and, um, finds out that it's $50,000, which this kind of, oh God, made me feel so broke how he just has $50,000 in savings. Like, okay. Like it drains the savings, but still. So he goes to the spa and the, the show opens up with him ripping out of a bag in the ground and you're like what is going on and then you find out that the spa clones you and the old version of you is supposed to die but he lives and so now there's two of him so living with yourself I won't give away too much else but I would agree it makes you really think about kind of like how you're living your own life, how you see things. Um, I would love to talk about this show more in depth sometime because I think it has some really interesting themes. Um, And I love Paul Rudd. That man never ages. He is wonderful. Love him so much. He is. It's just a really, it's kind of a, you're the master of your own destiny. Mm -hmm. And in the, his, his clone keeps saying it to him over and over and he just never quite seems to get it. But it's also looking looking at it from the clone's point of view too is just like oh i wouldn't have thought about it that way but yeah it's i highly recommend it it's it's a good one well maybe maybe we'll talk about that one Mm -hmm. in a future episode what else am i watching um yeah that that's really all i've been watching right now that show is fantastic i watch a lot of uh spanish like like soap operas soap opera oh okay so i watch like cable girls and uh, the Grand Hotel, which they just tried to do an American version of it mm. over the summer, failed miserably. Bad. Okay. Really bad. Um, High Seas is another one. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I love the super dramatic. Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of that almost, it's not quite a telenovela, but, you know, watching The Grand Hotel, somebody gets slapped like every episode. <laughs> and it's just like, there it is. The drama. The drama. So that's what <laughs> I, I love watch. It. Um are you watching watching anything on cable right now? Like any new shows that are out, or not new shows like uh, just like NBC? You or... know, I'm I'm a big fan of a lot of the NBC shows. I don't mm-hmm. watch a lot of regular television shows. I watch Me either, but um, NBC, I'm I'm pretty. I watch The Good Place mm-hmm. and Superstore. I love Superstore and Brooklyn Nine Nine. And Brooklyn Nine Nine just went to. It went back to it went to NBC. Right. And th- I have always been weirded out that that was on Fox first. Yes. It doesn't seem like a Fox show because it, it's Michael Schur, right? And yes. he made The Office and yes. Parks and Rec. And isn't he also behind The Good Place too? Yes. So weird that that was on Fox. It was a Fox show. And then Hulu picked it up for one season. They did like a short season, I believe, with it. And then it and now to NBC picked it back up again. Yep. And I remember when that got canceled, that was... Whew, that upset a lot of people. I was upset. Yeah, <laughs> that one's a good one too. I'm, I, I'm upset that the good place is only going in. They're only gonna. They want to end on their terms. So this is their final season. We're not gonna see any more. I just once again, um, brilliant writing, mm-hmm. great acting. You know, there are some shows that it's like I've I've mentioned this before. Breaking Bad ended after five seasons as it should have. You know, that story had gone as far as it could, and it ended on a good note. It ended very strong and some of these shows that go on for years and years and years it's like what are you doing who are you doing this for you know you have those like those diehard fans that no matter how bad the show gets are just going to keep watching it 
but why do you want to watch something that's not what it was? It's just like The Walking Dead. Like the new seasons of Walking Dead, I haven't even seen because I got to a point where I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. It's just, it's not the show it was. I was a big Walking Dead fan. Um, as soon as they killed Glenn. Um, it was downhill after that. I I was done. I'm any, I mean, I know everybody dies on that show. <laughs> But everybody that dies is somehow a moral compass in any yeah. in all the moral compasses to keep people kind of on the Herschel. street now. Herschel. They all die. Yep. So they're they're too good to be on the show, apparently. <laughs> um I that's what I think about like Orange is the New Black. Yeah. I saw like the first two seasons and I was like, Oh, that was pretty good. And then I tried to watch the third and I'm like, This is terrible. Oh, it got so bad for a while. Did you finish it? Did I, you watch the no. last season? I can't watch it. So it does get really bad. In my opinion, the first two seasons are incredible. Season three is boring. It's very boring. Season four picks it up a little bit. And then season five is terrible. There's a riot. And the whole season is just the riot. It's three days. It's horrible. Season six is the aftermath of the riot. And it's kind of... It was better than season five. And then season seven is... Is that the, fa- the last season? Yes. Then? Okay. Season seven is Piper gets out of prison and it's kind of... No, oh, so her, her 15 month stay turned mm-hmm. into seven years, basically. <laughs> well, that's what's so weird about that show is it's only supposed to be like 15, 18 months or so. Um, I don't know how much time is supposed to have passed after she's left prison probably not very long maybe a year but they make references that show started in 2013 they make references about like like trump being president right and i'm like but he wasn't president at the time right. like there's no like you know like the there's first, no there's the, no continuity the first season was like six it they referred like to six or eight months of her prison stay yeah and then it's like every season after got shorter and shorter so they could extend it out yeah and once again it's just to me it's one of those shows that stays on the air that needed to be gone a long time ago yeah and not enough of the good stuff well and that's like breaking bad too is that's all supposed to take place within like maybe a year and a half worth of time but they commit to it they still have like the flip phones they don't make any sort of pop culture references every all the technology is still of that time right you wouldn't know that it was filmed in 2013 or 2012 like they keep it in that time frame and orange is the new black didn't do that and that was just a problem with the writers not really giving a shit by that point i would say it ended okay like it, it saw it resolved everything and it was it was just it was time for it to go and so by the time i watched that last season i was like okay well now I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just glad it's over and yep. I can move on. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of how I feel about a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to stay within the time frame, like you said, commit to it, stay within the time frame. You know, if you're going to reboot a show like Veronica Mars that was on, which is also was a great show. Um, it's now present day at least. So they, the time has passed. People have aged, you know, wasn't mm-hmm. a great reboot, but you know, I right. watched it anyway because I was a fan of the show. Right. So we'll see. Yeah. And that is what we're watching now. Okay, we are back to our review of The Exorcist. So there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about with this movie. Namely, um, some of the more controversial aspects of it i guess so uh 
there's rumors that this movie is cursed for a couple of different reasons. So it's actually based on the true story of an exorcism of a boy. They don't give out his name, but his name is Roland Doe. And similar situation was exercised and he didn't remember anything. But to protect his identity, they changed the character to a female. So there was no connection to the actual boy who had an exorcism. Um, So that is creepy enough in itself. It really is. That this is based on a true story. So the set caught fire. This movie took double the amount of um, income that it was supposed to to make the film and the amount of time. Yeah, it was supposed to be shot in 84 days and it took 200 some plus days. Uh, Almost a year, yeah. Yeah. And um, most of that was because the set caught fire. And this is the creepy part. Reagan's room was completely unharmed. So that's kind of weird. Nothing happened to that room. I do wonder though if that was because the room was refrigerated if it was mm. it was a refrigerated room so it might be slightly insulated because they maybe. had to keep it so cold yeah but it was a little weird maybe hmm. also um so both um linda blair who played reagan and uh ellen burstin burstin burstein uh who played chris reagan's mother both actually got hurt on the set so there's that scene where uh chris gets thrown into the wall and she lets out this like really big scream that was 100 real because she actually hurt her back and um linda blair like when one of the scenes i think when uh the bed was thrashing around she like got thrown off and hurt her back too and then um there were nine people who died either during filming or after filming who were either involved in the film or related to people in the film, which is very bizarre. It was, it, yeah. And so once again, anytime you have this type of horror movie, especially with demonic possession, any type of evil, anything that happens on the set is just going to be crazy weird. And to have nine people die not necessarily from the filming but because they were involved in the movie and they're nine that's a lot that's like the whole cast (laughs) like that's crazy so actors jack mcgowan and vasiliki malai oh my god i'm so sorry she's a she was um father karis's mother she's a super italian lady yep (laughs) both died while the film was in post-production and what makes their death strange is that their characters died in the film as well. Other deaths that occurred um, during the filming include Linda Blair's grandfather and Max von Sydow's brother, who died on the first day of shooting. Also, while filming, the son of Jason Miller, who played um, Father Karras, was nearly killed when a motorcycle hit him. And also, um, the actress who played the voice of the demon um was the victim her son murdered his wife and his children before killing himself i did not know that one yeah in 1987 so that is crazy what 14 years after the film came out yeah so that is weird um and many believe that the actual film was cursed and that playing it through a projector was an invitation for demonic possession televangelist billy graham stated there is a power of evil in the film in the fabric of the film itself when it was first released the film was banned in every middle eastern country but lebanon 
and then the re-release was banned. During the Roman premiere, audiences had to fight their way through a torrential downpour accompanied by thunder and lightning in order to get into the theater. Many inside claimed to hear a horrific, almost demonic cry coming from outside once the film started rolling. And at one showing, a woman was so frightened she passed out in the theater and broke her jaw when she fell. She later sued the filmmaker, suggesting that the subliminal messages caused the accident and they settled out of court for an undisclosed amount isn't that crazy yeah they said people were fainting yeah they were so scared running out of the theater there were i believe i believe in ireland there was a lot of uh towns that would not play the the movie Mm -hmm. and so they would have exorcism buses that would take people from town to town (laughs) to so they could go see it yeah and i'm like i you know it's just a movie but (laughs) But to it was a big deal. Like but there to, was nothing like this. But for Billy Graham to come out and say basically there's evil in the film itself, it's like it's embedded in there. It's like oh, that doesn't help people get over their fear of demonic possession no. either. Nope. Um, there was. Uh, I swear I heard that wasn't it when it played in Rome that a li- lightning struck the uh, the cross that's at the top of the church and it. I did not hear that one. So that wasn't in the article I was just reading from, but I swear I heard that somewhere. Could be urban legend. If anyone who is watching or listening to this can say if that's true or not, let me know. But I swear I heard that somewhere. This movie was actually nominated for, I think, nine Academy Awards. Very. Including Best Picture. Very. Yeah. And only like four horror films have really ever been nominated Mm -hmm. for Best Picture. Um, so to get nominated was huge. That's a big deal because I feel like this genre is ignored. Oh yeah. Award shows. I, I, I completely agree because I, I think most critics don't take the genre seriously at all. Right. Even though, uh, Siskel and Ebert both gave it four stars, which is unusual because one of them, don't ask me which one, <laughs> hates horror films and would just usually pan all of them. Mm-hmm. But they said it was so well done. He goes, I, I can't do anything but give it four stars. It's it's amazing how it like you said it has stood the test of time. It is still revered as one of the greatest horror films of all time. I didn't know that it was nominated for that many Academy Awards. That's incredible. It actually won two um, for let me see uh, sound script and sound is okay. what it ended up winning for. Uh, it has remained high in critical esteem and commercial success ever since. Um, becoming one of the highest grossing films in history with a $441 million intake as of 2019. Um, and for many years after its release, remained the top grosser in the supernatural horror and R-rated horror subcategories. Um, it also was originally, I think, um, they wanted it to be rated X for the more graphic scenes, um, but then they uh, brought it down to an R rating. And like I mentioned earlier, um, they had a lot of, like, kids come to like 16 year olds unaccompanied and there was a 16 year old that said nobody stopped me nobody checked my id i just they let me buy a ticket and go in so they really didn't care that all these kids were going to see it but like i said like i mean first i think 16 you're old enough to i mean you're getting there yeah Yeah. i mean like you can you can watch something like this and not be scarred for life right i think children like people would actually bring their child to, to go see this and i just i don't why? <laughs> Why would you want your kid to see this? All I can say is, as somebody that, you know, 
watched this when they were so little and I it is it is I do not like horror films now I don't want to watch them I don't I'm like every time I watch one I used to have to like when I was first married if we watched a scary movie my husband had to come to bed with me until I fell asleep I it just that scarred me I I believe it. I still can't even watch watch the movie I kind of watch it with my head down out of the corner of my eye so I'm I'm getting like my heart palpitations are like my heart is just like pounding right now even thinking about watching this so it's like this is yeah parents out there don't let your kids go see these movies so I've had some people um Emily who was here when I was on maternity leave and then my brother-in-law both have stories of their relatives forcing them to watch horror films as children and now they hate them um I love horror movies like this is my favorite genre I love scary movies um but I think it is wrong to make a child watch something, like force them to watch something like this. Like when you're a kid, you have intrigue and you're like, oh, what's this? Oh, I can't watch it. It's rated R. Or it's scary well, or whatever. And you're whatever. so susceptible. You yeah. believe so many things. I thought my sister was going to become possessed and kill me and we shared a room. Oof. So it's like I was for three months. I mean, I didn't sleep for like three months. So thanks a lot, Gary. <laughs> but and so I still yeah, don't. Gary. I still don't like him. My daughter loves scary movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as one comes out, she's got a friend, they're out the door. They got, they have to see it. So yeah. I think, yeah, once you're of a certain age where you know that you can, I mean, there are some, I think I maybe have talked about this in one of the other Halloween episodes, um, but that movie, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, that is based on the book series. Yes. So I haven't seen it yet, unfortunately, but I have heard that, first of all, I've heard it's really good. They rely so little on CGI. They have like contortionists and like professional people as opposed to relying on special effects. And I think that's amazing. Um, but I've heard that uh, it's a good gateway film for younger audiences. So something like that where, yes, it's scary and it's creepy, but it's not terrifying. To, yeah, it's not going to completely ruin your soul your soul or your love of movies right yeah absolutely there are films like that out there um i remember being scared of like edward scissorhands when i was a kid and that movie's it's not scary it's creepy it is very creepy edward scissorhands is a creepy creepy movie and for a kid you know i remember being very very little and it being on tv and i just the image of a man with scissors for hands is scary to a kid yeah, there's your Freddy Krueger with his blades yeah. on his hands. It's very little difference right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, if you have children, don't let them watch stuff like this. Uh, yeah. Theo's only about you know four and a half months, and I'm at the point now where if like I'm playing with him or if I'm feeding him, I am like, okay, I need to make sure what at least what I'm watching isn't scary. Right. Like, he can't understand what is being said, but as long as there's nothing scary or any nudity or anything inappropriate visually, right, then. I can play in the background, but I'm starting to get to a point where I'm like, he's paying attention to what I'm watching. So maybe I should start watching more Disney movies or like, you know, cartoons. Oh, don't worry. You'll or... have plenty of time to watch Disney movies. <laughs> oh yeah. And the same one over, over, and, over, and, over and over and over again. Yep. Hey, I have some questions for you. Sure. So when you're watching this movie, um, they, you have a lot of, it's a, a big leap of faith in a lot of areas. So mm-hmm. it's like you, they assume you're going to, understand that maybe father Marin released the demon when he was in Iraq. And then you make the assumption kind of that Reagan, uh, brings the, the demon forth with the Ouija board. Yeah. Um, 
there's a whole sense of when Burke dies and Reagan obviously kills Burke, um, that he was molesting her. Mm-hmm. But they don't talk about it really. They just they make a lot of leaps of faith. Yeah. And then so you have this police investigation. Um, why were the police ever really investigating? It was he might have been the worst inspector ever. <laughs> he never asked very good questions, and he never investigated the family where apparently he fell from a window, and you know, down flights of stairs. And he's yeah. like, but nobody ever questions her or questions more thoroughly. What was the point, do you think, of even them having the police investigation? Because it went nowhere. No, it didn't. He kept showing up, and then it was just over. I feel maybe just for a subplot, maybe? Because I felt that, and this is this is kind of how I felt when I was watching it, it pulled away from what was going on a lot. Like You'd have these really big, scary scenes, and then it would just go to these very like monotone like dialogue scenes and not that they were pointless but it just really pulled away from the big plot line so maybe it was more of a like a attention reliever kind of a thing like people were so built up they were i just thought it was bizarre the plot in a way or something and nobody nothing really ever came of it so i always thought it was kind of bizarre was there ever any like in the book did they ever i think in the book they're and once again, I think a lot of some pretty important material was left out of the movie that you get in the book. I haven't read it, but from what I've read, you know, they they touch on a lot of these things more clearly. Like they really make a point that, you know, it's Reagan with the Ouija board. You know that Burke has been messing around with Reagan. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you have more information. I so, just assume you've read it, I guess. I guess so. Um what kind of notice do you have to give to a family that you're working for whose child is possessed? <laughs> I mean, I would literally, as soon as I saw any of this, I'd be like, oh, no, it's fine. And then the bed starts shaking and I'm like, see ya. <laughs> Their domestic staff and her personal assistant stayed to the bitter end. They really did. Who would do that? I don't know. I wouldn't. Not in a million years. I'd be like, um, I, my notice is me grabbing my purse and running for the hills <laughs> and then jumping in a vat of holy water. What was the name of the the, the female caretaker that was kind of... Sharon? Mm, I think so. Sharon was the personal assistant? Probably. That was probably her. Yeah. Yeah, she was there until the end. Yeah. And she was good for her <laughs> they yeah hopefully she, paid her extra when for she all takes father karis into the room to show her the help me yeah on, i'm like would you get that close to that child <laughs> no no not in a million years i just thought it was just insane that people would stay i mean i'm a hundred percent sure i would have left as soon as she started like the the cross scene right which they all witnessed yeah i think they had to have been either getting paid very well right or just had some sort of loyalty to chris or that something. is some, that's some good loyalty good friends there yeah maybe i wouldn't do that for any of my friends i'm sorry the work ethic in 1973 <laughs> was much better than it is today so i was that was my my big question and my my last one is when father karis goes in and throws the tap water on mm-hmm. her and she's like it's burning it's burning although she has exhibited every sign of demonic possession that the catholic church asked for you know opening moving of objects opening closing 
of drawers speaking mm-hmm. in front all of them and the one thing is like oh this was tap water it doesn't bode well for possession i'm like you have seven of eight criteria more than mm-hmm. and you're gonna just be like eh that one didn't work that yeah that kind of confused me because i thought it was you know it made you think like okay like you obviously know she's possessed but from his perspective like what why wouldn't when the demon have known like oh this isn't real just like eh, whatever yeah i just or it doesn't even matter i personally i think if a priest is carrying around water it's probably holy water in some respects then but I just felt like, I'm like, you're really willing to let this whole demonic possession go because of tap water? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I felt know. I felt like he was really, that was his way of trying to get the heck out of there without having to deal with it. Yeah. That's what I would do, too. Just trying to find any, you know, loose end, like, oh, well, no, um, yeah. no need for me to be here. Um, it had to have just been what she had to say about his mom that yeah. really got to him because he brought it up more than once and was just kind of like, there's no way she could have known about that. Yeah. Because he asked Chris about that. Like, did you know my mother had died? Did Reagan know my mother had died? She's like, no, why would she know? And he's like, never mind. And then there's just, he's out the door. Yeah. So I think, I guess my overall thought of this, like I said, I, I hadn't seen it all the way through until, now and being a child of the 90s and in this new world of uh like we've talked about torture porn films where it's just graphic and just special effects and these huge jump scares and american horror has gone down this really weird path of just trying way too hard i think this film is obviously very dated it's I mean, the voiceover sometimes is really bad and it just looks super fake. Like you can tell how dated everything is, but I think the scares are real. The creepiness, I mean, just the direction and the flashes of the demon face that, you know, unless you're really paying attention, you'll miss is so well utilized. I mean, they use that in the ring. There's the flashes of the ring throughout that movie constantly. I feel like that was very, uh, artistically placed i thought that was a good a nice touch um i think just the idea itself um dolan has talked about he doesn't really like scary movies as it is but he says especially films like this scare him the most because especially if you're a believer of um of any sort of demonic spirit if you believe that that's a possibility of something happening to you or anybody for that matter that that would get to you but i think from a personal standpoint, I don't, I don't want to get too far into that, but, um, I don't, I don't know. I think it's definitely possible. I wouldn't say like, yes, this has happened before, but I would say it's possible. But regardless of what you believe, just the idea of something that evil and just the, how the, the legacy of this film and how it's carried out and everything that's happened since then is enough to just make this movie kind of almost immortal it doesn't matter how much it's been dated i i agree it's the the subject matter anytime where you if you can open yourself up to the possibility of something entering you and taking over you completely and in such a vile violent way um i think that just i think that just scares people mm-hmm. no matter what if you believe it or not i think it's just a, a scary idea that something 
can take over and you have zero control, um, which definitely immortalizes the film. I just, it's just the subject matter, you know, the exorcist, the omen, anything to do to me with religion and antichrist and demonic possession, definitely 100% off the table for me. Um, I can handle like gore scare a little bit, although some of it is just gratuitous. Yeah. Gory. Um, but no religious material like this off the table for me. I think it's, in my opinion, now it's been a little overdone. There's tons of exorcism movies now, but I think if it's done right, like this film, I think the exorcism of Emily Rose is a really good one too. Um, I think if it's done right, I I don't want to say tasteful because it's not really tasteful. Like the subject matter itself (laughs) is not tasteful, but uh, it's just... If it's done right, it can be very, very effective. Yeah, I I can't tell you. There's, I think there's like over a hundred like exorcism type movies devil out there, movies, devil movies of some movies, kind. Yeah. So, like you said, this is this has sprung a whole series of just exorcist movies, but then there's all the exorcism movies that go with it. Um, but you're right. They think they were going to try to redo this movie like in 2015. And oh, just, I don't think they could. They they canceled. They they just canceled. I just don't think they could do the same kind of job with it. No. Um, so you're right. If if it's done right, it, the best scary movies are the ones that stick with you, stand the test of time, mm-hmm. that just stick in your head. Um, but they have to be done very well. And this this movie was for the time, exceptionally ahead of its time. Yeah, absolutely. And nothing had been done like this before. And, and nothing think, has since. Not really. Yeah. Like to think, this to this caliber, I'd yeah. say. You know, um, I think I watched part of the uh, Emily Rose one. Um, got about halfway through and said, "Ah, I don't need to watch this anymore." It's spooky. It's it, it's for me. Like, and I've talked about this before. You know, with with directors trying too hard and trying too hard to scare you. If you compare these two films, Emily Rose relies a bit too much on the more dramatic like there's a lot of like dramatic music and when when Emily is you know screaming and all these tongues and um these like she will like see people and their faces turn all black and like demonic and they rely too much on that at times but it's still really really scary yeah and this film doesn't do that I mean we really couldn't at the time but I think again for the time I just think the 70s can I just say had some great horror films like Carrie is amazing um I think Friday the 13th, no, Friday the 13th no, that was, was early the 80s. 80s. Um, but I think the 70s and 80s horror films are just so good because they didn't need all of the CGI and the... <laughs> Lane's trying to scare us. Uh, they didn't need all of those special effects. Like, they, it's cheesy now, but it's still... Like, again, I think it's that desensitization. Like, we, we've seen so much now that we're like, oh, that's terrible. But at the time, it was like, oh, my God. But like you said, if a movie is done right, you can keep it simple and on point, And you can still scare the crap out of your audience. Mm. So that's yeah. all I have to say about that. <laughs> let's get into our review of The Exorcist. Um, let's see. I think just based on everything I've said, it's just hard for me. I wish I had seen it earlier. I wish I had, you know, there's no way I could have seen it when it came out. But I wish I had seen it earlier so I could have appreciated it more for what it is. I found myself a lot of the time being like, 
this is so cheesy like but it's still it's still creepy enough that I I did by the end of it did enjoy it I don't know if I'd watch it again I think one and done was good enough for me because it is it's a hard watch it's it's just really graphic um I don't know I think I'm gonna give it a 3.5 out of 5 I I don't think for me it's quite a 4 I think you know no I'm gonna give it a 4 I think I'm gonna give it a 4 just because of the legacy over time, what it for what it was at the time, I think it was pretty fantastic. Now it's not as great, but I think it's a, a really, really interesting story that has affected horror films all the way to today and will continue. So that's that's my reasoning. I think that's and I kinda like doing this with you as somebody who's much younger seeing it and who likes the genre as opposed to me who's much older who does not like the genre. Um, once again, it is the scariest, um, movie I've ever seen, um, of all time is still to this day. Like you said, it's, it's dated and some of it's cheesy and the Anderson pea soup that gets sprayed all over <laughs> father Marin's face, you know, is, is gross, but, um, there's just no other movie I've ever like scary movie I've ever watched. And there's very few of them, um, that can ever compare to that. Um, I don't think it's a five for mm-hmm. me. Um, I'll give it like a four and a half, four point seven five. Okay. Um, whatever that five movie is out there, I will never see it. <laughs> um, you can just keep it to yourself. Okay. Even like I've, in, I watched Paranormal Activity, which I thought was terrible. I didn't think it was scary at all. Okay. Which was weird because I should have been scared of that. But um, yeah, I don't ever want to see it. It was brilliantly done, um, well acted, uh, and there were some great actors and actresses that they wanted to yeah, play they, they turned down a lot of a-listers yeah and the people they ended up going with i we didn't talk about that really but like that was a big sting yeah. with like the production company they were like what are you doing like hiring these nobodies yeah. essentially they wanted marlon brando to play father Marin. weird and they're and and the director's like no we don't want it to be a brando film that is you know weird. they wanted jack nicholson to play father Karras, and he's like <laughs> the director's like, no, he is, he is not innocent. And, or how did he even put it? Um, oh, what did he say? That is weird. Oh, he thought Jack Nicholson was too unholy to play a priest. <laughs> so, yeah. So just he got his heyday in the genre later yeah, on. He did. So I just feel like, yeah, The Shining. Thank yep. you. Um, so once again, um, terribly scary movie well done well produced well directed um it will always i will always be in the top 10 scariest movies of all times for anybody that is currently living um just because it was a, a lot of people especially my age it was their introduction to true horror movies so it'll always make that that top 10 list and i will never watch it again um i'm sorry i, I need to go through this <laughs> I made my husband sit down and watch it with me, and then he kept rewinding scenes. Oh, come on, Lane. I know. And I'm like, I don't need to see it again. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, but I actually, it, it helped me get over some of my fear of the show. So it was all good. So definitely a four and a half, 4.75 ish for okay. me. Never see that five. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me for this one, Karen. Thank you I for having this, me on. Yeah, this was fun. It was fun to uh, talk about. Uh, you know, especially with somebody who doesn't, I feel like everyone else who's been on the show for uh, spooky season has been 
a fan of the genre. So it was, this was definitely a little different. Oh yeah. Um, but definitely appreciated your input. Um, thanks guys for listening and thank you for, uh, putting, if you don't like scary movies, thank you for putting up with the past four weeks of scary movie reviews. We're going to be doing things a little bit differently, um, after this episode. Uh, so stay tuned for, um, some more Atlas recruiters, client managers, um, and internal staff for some, other reviews but uh until then have a great halloween stay safe watch some maybe more light-hearted scary movies hocus pocus uh, halloween town more fun scary or fun halloween movies but uh we'll see you next time Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if you think we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming.